Welcome to Fantasy Sports Daily with Kyle L. Frank and Ray Flowers, Monday through Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Don't forget to use the promo code FSD20 for a 20% discount on the products over at FantasyGuru.com. We welcome you to February, and we welcome you to Fantasy Sports Daily, powered by FantasyGuru.com. Kyle Elfrink, Ray Flowers hanging out with you, and uh, Ray, doesn't it already feel differently, February versus March? It does here. Uh, We've got a storm in California, so it feels like we're actually in winter. Uh, We've joked around about this. We didn't even have in California a summer. We kind of just went from... (laughs) spring to fall so uh yeah we've been getting some rain here nothing like the east coast has been dealing with or anything like that but for us you know like we talk about all the time you get you know three quarters of an inch an inch of rain a day it's a lot yep it can be a lot no doubt about it uh this is also a month that as everybody knows is uh very short although this year is a leap year right i think it is so we got an extra day uh but it's also a month right where it's um and and this is weird to say this in a month where the super bowl will be hosted but it's kind of a meaningless sports month and, and what i mean by that uh one of ray's favorite most meaningless things the nfl combine mm-hmm. is at the end of the month uh the nhl all-star game is later this week the nba all-star game is later this month uh pitchers and catchers which means nothing is later this month spring training begins which means nothing later this month so ray this is the meaningless month on the calendar i like it uh, and we will try we will try our best over the next month to make it a meaningful month, despite that fact. Well, the good thing is it may be meaningless to the sports fan, but Ray, I, to the fantasy player, especially the baseball man, uh, this is an important month. This is a chance to get ahead of the game. For many, this might be your first month that you start drafting. Uh, because honestly, what are we, two months away from the start of the season? Kind of wild to think about. But that is the case. Um, we will get you set today with a little more baseball. Um, in fact, that's where we're going to start. And uh, Ray's on the warpath this week. If uh, you've been joining us, uh, Ray has wanted to get rid of wins and saves. Uh, today, he wants to get rid of batting average. Soon, Ray will get rid of home runs, and that will piss everybody off, Ray. Because home runs, chicks dig the long ball, you know. You can't get rid of home runs, right? You're not, you're not going to make that argument. At, at some point. Not going to make that argument. In fact, there might even be a home run league in the cards here. So who knows? But we will not get rid of the home run, even though not all home runs are created equal. Um, I will say, um, foreshadowing here, I, I don't agree with Ray on wins. I don't agree with Ray on saves. Ray, you got a chance with batting average at me. You got a chance. So, so right. we'll have Ray lay that out. Uh, profiling another article there in the uh, world-famous Fantasy Guru Baseball Draft Guide. Um, Additionally, we will continue our run-through of all things first base. Um, I have talked throughout the week. I don't think that Ray truly agrees with me on this, but I think first base is pretty damn weak. Um, I'm I'm not all that enthralled by the lesser options at the first base spot. Sure, at the top, it's great. After that, I think it gets a little fishy. But today, we will spotlight some guys who you can currently get um, outside of the first 12 at the position. Uh, that maybe can make the uh, move up into the top 12. So we'll talk about those guys. Uh, the Toronto Blue Jays, who have kind of been a, a big topic of conversation throughout the week. You know, we were talking about Vlad Guerrero and first baseman earlier in the week. They have the signing of Justin Turner. Uh, now we've got news on Alec Manoa. They are still planning on Alec Manoa turning it around. Ray, are you planning on Alec Manoa having a turnaround? Is that is that like, is that a, is that a favorite lottery ticket of yours early in the uh, draft season? According to the rankings of fantasyguru.com, which we have 150 starting pitchers ranked, 
He's at 108, and I felt a little dirty putting him there. I, you know, it's you take hey, you could take the lottery ticket. The problem was you take the lottery ticket, and we'll get into it, right? He has two bad starts, you drop him. So <laughs> how much patience you're gonna have if you take the chance? Yeah, that that nailed it. When you've already suffered through a year of the lottery ticket failing. You're not going to sit through a month of it failing again, and that would be the issue with Manoa. And then, of course, we'll uh, sneak in some NFL. Seattle has their new head coach, and uh, we have delayed this enough. Uh, today we will talk about the tight end position and how things worked out in 2023, the studs and the duds at that spot. Before we get into all the uh, meat of the show, Ray, uh, give us the appetizer. We, we got uh, ways for people to enjoy things at Fantasy Guru, don't we? We do. That promo code FSD20 that we mention on the show every day is good for all of the products, whether it's a seasonal product, a TFS product, whether it's NHL or NBA or racing or or football or baseball, FSD20. Uh, right now, the, the draft guide is on sale for baseball. It's, again, not just a preseason draft guide. We call it that because that's what we call it, but it's for the entirety of the season. You get the updated articles all season long. You get access to di Discord all season long. You get updated rankings the first day of every month, May, June, July, August, September, through the season. All of that right now is at an early bird price. You put in the FSD20 code. It drops down to $40. So that's the best price you're going to get with that. Get in now before the price goes up. And remember, we still have the football package too, which includes the Super Bowl betting guide, access to everything. If you sign up right now with that, everything we have seasonal, you have access to. Everything we have DFS, you have access to. Everything on the gambling, betting, wagering side, you have access to. And don't forget, Kyle mentioned this yesterday, you can look back. You can read all the articles. It's not like you can just read articles that you sign up from today forward. You can read all the articles we've written all season long. So there's tons of, of information there. And you get also franchise mode, which is basically our coverage of players through uh, and up to the draft itself. So lots of options available. But remember, at the top, that promo code FSD20 is what you need to know. Okay, so that is the uh, layout. As always, we welcome in everybody who is uh, attending the live presentation of Fantasy Sports Daily. If you got any comments, uh, questions, whatever it may be, hit us up in the chat room. That goes for uh, Facebook, YouTube, X, wherever you want. Uh, give us a yell. Um, up, up, update on my hockey-loving son. Still limping. Oh, okay, still dealing with that. Okay. Um, number two, Ray, I, I see in the chat room people talking about the uh, All-Star Weekend, which I termed as meaningless. It is not meaningless to the little guy. Okay. Um, he is actually amped, Ray, for the skills competition on Friday night. Okay. Which I, I don't know if if you uh, have followed this, Ray, but they've kind of changed the setup. It's more of a contest. Mm -hmm. I think they start – we'll see how this goes. But, Ray, they start with 12 skaters. Uh, all 12 have to participate in, like, four of the six first events, fastest skater, puck handling, hard shot. Then – after those six are done, you get points for where you finish in each of those categories. You advance to the second round. I think the second round is a uh, like a breakaway competition against a goalie. And then the top four advance to the final round uh, where the points are doubled. So this is more of like a tournament skills competition. It used to be you'd have just one winner for each competition. Right. Now right. we are starting with 12 and count crowning an overall champion who makes a million dollars oh i didn't know that bucks. oh yeah a million bucks if you win this thing wow that's a, that's 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 a lot of money yeah. uh that's that's legit i didn't know i didn't know about the cash prize well, I, you know right you people may like a million dollars are all rich here's the thing and maybe you can look this up right like the best guys in hockey 
like Austin Matthews, uh, Nathan McKinnon, Connor McDavid, they're making like $9 million. These are not guys making $40 million like we see in football or in baseball. So, Ray, the million is <laughs> – that does yeah. pass the bottom line. It does because, obviously, the salary cap, right? Uh, the salary cap is – it'll rise next year to $87 million. And we were joking around yesterday about teams not spending any money in baseball. There's only like three teams in baseball that don't spend that much. <laughs> so it's it's very, very different. Uh, I think there's a cap. I'm looking at some numbers here and, you know, fudging this. Like Connor McDavid's at $12 million if you look at the well, cap hits and all that. But you're well, right. You know, practically speaking, it's lower because they spread things out and do things a lot. But, yeah, a million dollars is a tenth of the elite player's salaries. Yeah. And the average guys, you know, yeah. And, you know, interesting, speaking of hockey, I don't follow it much anymore. And for those people that don't know, I got my start in the fantasy space full time actually doing hockey. Um, I just realized because I'm so out of it and I don't go to San Jose anymore. The AHL All-Star Games in San Jose this week. <laughs> and I was looking at the, their tickets available and I'm yeah, I might end up going. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. So Friday night's the skills competition again. Uh, some people are excited. And then Saturday he's pumped because we're going to see a lot of goals. Like an actual hockey fan has no interest in the All-Star Game because it's not really hockey. Yeah. A, a four-year-old loves the All-Star Game because it's a lot of goal scoring. <laughs> it's, it's breakaways and all sorts of stuff. So, yes, I guess it's not totally, totally meaningless to everybody. And here I am saying it's a meaningless month, and I will be probably settling on, on a Friday night to watch the skills competition. Maybe I'll be entertained. We'll see. Uh, Ray, let's get into baseball. That's where we yeah. want to start today. That's what we want to kind of focus on today. And you want to focus on the category of batting average. Um, again, for most people out there, they play five-by-five five leagues. And th those categories have been set for decades. Um, and some leagues do fudge around those categories. You know, we've talked about solds and quality starts and all that. Batting average, Ray, um, is certainly out of favor with the geeks. Uh, maybe even more so than wins. W wins maybe is, is more hated by geeks. I don't know. But batting average, Ray, I feel, has been a little more difficult to get rid of or to make people understand it doesn't really matter. Um, maybe saying it doesn't matter is a little harsh. But, Ray, tell us why batting average maybe isn't, maybe it doesn't belong as one of the five categories that we score. Because it sucks. It sucks. It sucks. So it is meaningless. Huh? <laughs> yes, there we go. Just keep the trend going, Ray. No, I mean, honestly, in this, and I, I've said this before, and I'll reiterate it here, that legitimately in my home league, in the 1990s, we added on base percentage. Because we looked at batting average and we said, look, you know, we're all baseball nerds. We played, we watched the game. I, I was the kid that carried the encyclopedia around for real. Uh, and the encyclopedia was, you know, 1,500 pages. And we looked at batting average and we're like, look, the number one thing in baseball, the number one thing is the out. In a traditional setup without extra innings, you get 27 of them. That's it. Once the 27 outs are gone, you're, you're done. The game is over, right? So protecting the out is extremely important. Batting average speaks to that. But it doesn't talk about, you know, catcher's interference or hit by pitch or, you know, walks. It doesn't talk about getting on base. It just talks about producing the hit. And you might say to yourself, well, Ray, well, yeah, that's, we're, we're producing a hit. Well, okay, there's also this. If you're in a five-by-five five setup, you have home runs and RBIs, runs, steals, and batting average. Batting average does not tell you what type of hit the guy produced, right? Was it an Asturias 37 hopper to third base that he beat out? Or was it a 397-foot line drive home run by Julio Rodriguez? Batting average says they're the same thing. And so even if we're using batting average and thinking there's value to it, 
Batting average itself doesn't actually tell you anything about the type of hit. Don't we want to know that? Isn't there a difference between a single or a double or mm-hmm. a triple or a home run? Of course there is. So I think it's weak at what it tries to do. There are better ways to record what we're trying to get to. And I think the the real sticking point for people, as you said it, it's always been there. When mm-hmm. I was a kid and I was sitting down talking to my grandfather and my dad, we didn't talk about Ted Williams on base percentage. We didn't talk about Willie Mays slugging percentage. We talked about batting average, 406, yeah. all kinds. So it's so ingrained that I think people have a really hard time moving beyond it, Kyle. And maybe it's going to become easier to move beyond it, right? Because the batting average, at least right now in 2024, they they keep falling and falling and falling. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was a bit of an uptick last year, we should note, with the rule changes. Uh, So that that stopped the bleeding. And we'll see how that plays out. Again, it was only one year. So you kind of want to get some trend lines to see if it continues to improve. But, Ray, for those who are viewing this, they can see the graph there. It may be a little small, but, I mean, you can very quickly note everything is going down. Good batting average guys are disappearing. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is that from? Uh, we'll, we'll go 2019, you know, roughly five years ago. You know, we've gone from, what is that, 36 guys hitting 290 to 11. Huge change. We, we've gone from 19 guys hitting 300 to 9. We've gone from 13 guys hitting 310 to five. And again, that's just a random five-year run. But Ray, the numbers pretty well are falling every year. It's not like it's all over the place. This is, trend lines are pointing. This stuff is is really uh, cratering right now, this 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 particular category. They are. And, and, and you know, the, the leagues, you know, I, and I got numbers in the article over at fantasyguru.com. Again, promo code FSD20 if you're not logged in uh, to the account yet to, to get all the stuff that we have. Uh, but you look at night, and I just randomly chose years that end in three, right? Because last year was 2023. Last year was 248, which was a four-year high. That's not even one of every four, right? It doesn't sound very good. Well, let's look back. Ten years ago in 2013, it was 253. Twenty years ago in 2003, it was 264. Thirty years ago in 1993, it was 265. So we're talking a significant. We've gone from the mid 260s to the mid 240s. That's a huge change, and it's also in the in the little graphic we have there on the screen that batting average itself, part of this is the way the game has changed and, you know, advanced analytics and spreadsheets and lefty-righty and slider. Change. Like, they, there's more knowledge now on how to get guys out, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's also the fact that there's a huge amount of volatility in, in the base hit. And as I referenced there in the article, you can talk about a guy who's got it in 550 at-bats and, and basically – Take a hit away every two weeks, add a hit every two weeks to the guy, and the batting average changed by 25 points. So a 300 hitter with luck hits 320. A 300 hitter without luck hits 280. That's a 40 point spread. It's massive. And really, you know, objectively speaking, the player performed exactly the same hitting 280 as they did when they hit 320. Is that something that we want to give credit or ding someone for? I think that's also a problem with batting average, Kyle. Yeah, for, for those who get rid of it, Ray, the obvious move is on base percentage, which you brought up earlier. Um, you know, speaking of how the sport and its numbers are ingrained, to us, you're a good hitter if you hit 300. Like, everybody knows that. Mm-hmm. Hell, my wife may know that, Ray, <laughs> that if you're hitting 300, you're... But, and, and Ray, I don't even know what the number is. What, what's the 300 equivalent for an on-base percentage? I, I could guess, you know, I would say... And, and this depends on your equivalency. Mm-hmm. You know, we're looking at numbers. How many guys hit 290 or above last year? 25. 
So we're, we're looking for the equivalency, Ray, of, of, well, I guess 300. So it'd be 14 guys hit 300 or better. So what is the equivalency for on-base percentage? You're looking for a number, I guess, that has 14 to 18 guys that got over it. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing, Ray, is that like 380, 375? It's, so I, that, that's also one of the challenges here mm-hmm. for leagues that make this switch. Sure. There are going to be guys in your league who have no idea, well, is 320 bad? Is 350 going to win me the league? Do I need to get multiple guys, 370? Like that's another learning curve we have if you make this. There were 144 players last year. Yeah, 144 players last year. Sorry, Kyle, that had 502 plate appearances, which is what is required to qualify for the batting title. Of that group, 14 guys, to your point, Kyle, were at 370 or better. Okay, so is that you? You, you cool with that? The, I'd say three. I'd probably say 375. Is the 370 on base percentage? I'd say 370, 375. Yeah, I'm yeah. cool with that. Um, I'd say 375. That's what I would say. Uh, but again, I think you're. I think you're right, and I think there is some reluctance anytime a change is made because there is a learning curve. But to me, this is not. You know, on base percentage is pretty simple, right? How many times mm-hmm. you get on base? This is not protractors and calculators, and you know, it's trying to figure out the, the, you know the square root of the, the distance between the moon and the sun. This is just getting on base. So I think with some time spent there, you start to realize well, league average is in the three fifteen to three twenty range most years. The guy's over 330, he's okay. We're really targeting, you know, 345, 350. If we get to 375, we're in great shape. I think, you know, the learning curve probably takes a year, maybe Mm -hmm. less if someone actually dives in and studies it. Well, and and what's a pro here, Ray, is uh, we've all been there where our slugger comes up with two guys on base and the team just decides not to pitch to him and get the walk and it kills you. You get nothing. Mm -hmm. This at least gives you something for that respect factor, I guess, of your hitter. Um, I don't have a major problem with on-base percentage. I will say a vast majority of my leagues are batting average. I don't hate them. I don't, you know, yearn to change them. Uh, I see Henry in the chat room. His league has gone OPS. Now, what do you think of that switch, Ray? The on-base plus slugging, perhaps replacing batting average. I think that's okay. I don't think, I think OPS and total bases is terrible. Because it's triple. I mean, if you're getting home runs too, you're like triple counting a power hitter. Yeah. Yeah, that, and so that's a really bad way. One or the other is okay. Uh, I think the idea of OPS over um, batting average, again, we're double counting next. Now we're giving credit for home runs. And okay, yeah. but I think OPS is okay to use. Yes, I think that's a fair pivot. I prefer on base percentage because at the end of the day, like I said, the number one thing to me is avoiding an out. That's the number one thing a player should be trying to do, avoiding outs, getting on base, avoiding outs, keeping the train running. But I think OPS as a replacement would be fair. I wonder, Ray, and I, I'm kind of thinking of this just off the top of my head. Um, I think OPS Plus has gained some following mm-hmm. in, in the last few years. And, and I was thinking that's a simple number. It's like over 100, you're better than the average player. Under 100, you're worse than the average. Like that would right. be so. But my issue, and, and I don't necessarily, again, I when, when you don't really, uh, you don't, participate in leagues where you're constantly changing stuff or you're always looking for the best setup. I, and I'm not in those leagues, but Ray, let's say I'm a, a hitter with a 30 at bats, you know, and, and I get off to a good start in the major leagues as a rookie, you know, is my OPS plus going to look like 135? Uh, because I don't think they adjust for like plate appearances. It just kind of plays out over the course of the year. And I bring that up, Ray, because if, if you take like OPS plus as a category, 
and you just have a guy sitting at 122 who's had 40 at-bats versus everybody else in the league who's had 120 at-bats, you can't really just take an average of OPS+. plus. There's got to be a way to kind of quantify it with plate appearances yeah. and those sort of things. So, like, that's a number that I think could be very easy to look mm-hmm. at. Um, and again, you'd still have the issue with home runs and, but like that gives, I, I think Ray nowadays, that's like the quickest, fastest, easiest way to say, is a guy any good as a hitter is looking at his OPS plus. Now, some people don't agree with that, but to me, Ray, it's a real shorthand way for the average baseball fan to kind of immediately figure out if the guy's good or not as a hitter. Yeah. And that's a fair, you know, it's a fair way to, do, to, to think of it. Um, I think, I think most people know OPS at this point. But it's real simple to say 100 average under that, you're not good. Above that, you're good. I mean, that's like you're saying to your point. And basically, OPS Plus, uh, just so in case people don't know what it is, it basically normalizes OPS. So it takes into effect other things like ballpark, right? So you might have a guy who's got a, a 120 or it's got a 120 OPS um, if you just look at it relative to the league, but he plays in Colorado. So maybe it's 114 because he yeah. gets the advantage. Maybe he's in Seattle, so the 120 becomes 130 because Seattle's a tougher place to hit. So it normalizes for that, which is, again, that's another level of analysis which is useful because we do have tools now where we can measure things such as park effects. Yeah, and speaking of Colorado, it brought up the idea of Todd Helton, Ray, um, you know, because of the normalization. Uh, the years he was pulling in MVP votes, which is from 2000 to 2005, like all those years he was finishing pretty well top 20 in MVP voting. His OPS plus was uh, anywhere from like 148 to 165. And again, this is normalizing for the ballpark. But you look at a lot of these other years, like Ray, he led uh, baseball in on base percentage in 2005, 445. His OPS plus was down to 144. Um, he had years with like a, a, an 880 OPS, but he was 117 on the OPS plus. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they do kind of go together. If you look at that, Ray, the OPS and the OPS plus, you know, it's just, as you said, it kind of gives that whole number instead of another ratio, if you will, of OPS. Um, so something to think about. Uh, how many leagues do you think you uh, do OBP versus batting average on, on a on a yearly basis? Yeah. Uh, tout Wars on base percentage has been that way for years. So Tout Wars, yes. I think that's the only one. Really? Uh, and Tout Wars, of all the leagues, Tout Wars is the, and it's, it's been this way for a while. It's been the most progressive in terms of changing. We've talked mm. about it. We've gone to innings in my league, all in all the leagues, there's this traditional five by five and all that. That we've gone to innings instead of wins. We've gone to souls instead of saves. We've gone to on base percentage instead of batting average. To me, very logical, very defensible as we've talked this week, ideas. Uh, but there is a, there are a lot of, you know, there are a lot of people that don't want to change. They want to do five mm. by five because they've done it for 30 years and they want to do, set your lineup weekly because they've done it for 30 years. And, you know, that's like we're going from, you know, no IL spots to three IL spots, like takes three years to get people to vote. Let's do it. There's a lot of people that are very set in their ways and I get it. But as we've been discussing, as we started talking about baseball, I think that we need to do as an industry, a better job of servicing the clients. Mm-hmm. And I used to be, and you know this, cause you, we've, I used to be no, no, no. In the last couple of years, I'm like, look, just because I want to do this doesn't mean you should have to do it. I think this is a better way to do it, or what, but it doesn't mean you have to do it. And I think there's a lot of people in our space which say five by five, five by five, five. And if you don't do it that way, they don't pay attention to you. And I think that's a mistake. Well, uh, you know, my favorite league of all time is my home league. It's a points league. It's 15 by 15. We score 15 pitching categories, 15 hitting categories. For those in points leagues, 
we don't really have this batting average issue uh, because mostly because the way they're set up, you get a point for a single, two for a double, three for a triple, four for a homer. You get a point for a wall. Uh, we subtract points for striking out. A lot of people hate that. We love it in our league because a guy I'm going to talk about in a second, Ryan Noda, is undraftable. He, he can't even handle this guy. Um, and, and it does level the playing field. Like, we care about strikeouts. And again, points leagues do kind of embrace um, all these things that he's talking about with on-base percentage, just kind of spreading it out amongst multiple categories. So that is where we stand for today as uh, Ray continues um, his march to improving the world of fantasy baseball. Like I said, I got, I got no real issue with this. It's just a matter of uh, kind of wrapping your head around new and fresh and unique numbers, if you will. Uh, Ray, let us go to our uh, first base discussion for today. All week long here on the show, we have talked about the position. Here in a bit, we're going to talk about guys who are currently going outside the top 12 in drafts, but could emerge as top 12 options at first base. But before that, I have a did you know okay. for the first base position. Uh, last season, there were six first basemen who struck out at least 150 times. Now, five of those six guys had at least 568 bats. So they, they you know, when you, when you go into the plate in terms of plate appearances, well over 600 times, 158 strikeouts, 150 strikeouts, not brutal. Plus, these guys are hitting home runs. They're, they're good players. But the sixth guy, Ray, only had... 406 at-bats and struck out 170 times, which was the second most out of his position, and it's got to be top five in baseball last year, I would think, in 406 at-bats. Ray, hello to Oakland's Ryan Noda. Now, before you tell us you can't survive playing baseball this way, Ray, I went to fan graphs today. Mm -hmm. Guess who's leading off? as they project it. I saw that the other day. <laughs> Ryan Noda, he of 170 strikeouts and 406 at-bats last year, is expected to lead off for the Oakland A's. And I guess it's Ray because he can draw a walk. He's an on-base percentage guy. Like, as bad as he is, he'd be okay in an on-base percentage league, wouldn't he? Yeah, he would. And Asturio Ruiz, guys and gals, Asturio Ruiz wasn't even playing full-time at the end of last season. I don't... Like, I don't know exactly what the A's are doing. I don't think anyone really does other than, you know, trying to get the hell out of Oakland. Um, but, yeah, you look at – we're just talking about on-base percentage, right? His on-base percentage is 364, which <laughs> – which, even though he hit 229. So this is, like, Paul – this is a Kyle Schwarber plus. He's even better yeah. with the gap between his batting average and on-base percentage. He's the new Greek. Well, I don't know. I don't think he's Greek, but he's the new Euclidus, isn't he? Isn't that what's well, but Euclidus hit 280. But, yeah, yeah. Um <laughs> He had a better on-base percentage. Listen to some of these names. He had a better on-base percentage last year than Paul Goldschmidt, Spencer Steer, Cody Bellinger, Vlad Guerrero, Justin Turner, Nathaniel Lowe. He was better than all those guys. And again, we just talked about it. Batting average, cool. On-base percentage really helps paint a picture of how effective a guy is offensively. He's been he's better than all those guys. And it's why, to your point, that even though he doesn't profile, uh, he certainly would have in, in a 1980 baseball batting leadoff. He'd be batting sevens, right? Or six, yeah. maybe best case scenario. In 2024 baseball, he can hit leadoff. So, is he good? <laughs> That's the question, right? Well, you were just telling me how important on base right? percentage is. He's way up there. Mm -hmm. But, my God, he's striking out 38% of the time. I mean, yeah. my Lord. Oh, 34%. Let's not. Okay. Kill him. okay. But, yeah, that's a terrible number. Uh, 
Uh, there's no way around that. And I think in the fantasy space, I think he's a real life. He's an Oakland A, right? This is something Moneyball. He's and, you know, he, he's, he's not good or bad. He's an Oakland he's okay, A. He's right. their own category. Yeah. He's a guy that can hit 20 home runs with a 335 on base percentage. <laughs> you know, okay. And that's useful for the A's. They don't pay the guy any money and they need that. From a fantasy perspective, if you're in a traditional setup, the batting average is, I mean, he'll be lucky to hit 230. Yeah. Legit. Like, he, he, there's just too many strikeouts. He doesn't well, have the foot. Go ahead. I, I can tell you, right, at Tout or I mean, this is a guy right now going 41st in a five by five league with mm-hmm. batting average. At Tout Ors, Ray, at first base, is he like jumping to 22nd? I mean, is, we always talk about these guys who take a big leap. Right. Probably the first guy off the tip of your tongue should be Ryan Noda. Yeah, I think that if you're in an on-base percentage league, he certainly vaults up. Does he go to 22nd? I think that's pretty aggressive because um, I don't think that there. I don't think there's 30 home runs coming, right? Which would which would make if he was going to hit 30 home runs with a three, you know, 46 on-base percentage. Hell yeah, he'd shoot up because as we were talking about earlier, that's not a 229 batting average. That's a 271 batting average, right? That's a huge and, and a player hitting 270 with 30 home runs. Yeah, we want that guy. Um, I think that's part of the problem. I think that you know the 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 strikeouts and the fact that his production will be streaky is legitimate to worry about. Uh, the ballpark doesn't help him. The lineup's not likely to help him produce tons of counting category numbers. So I'd say I, I don't have the numbers. I didn't. I haven't drilled into him yet for for Tout Wars. But I'd say he probably moves up 10, 12 spots at first base. Ten spots. Yeah. So he goes from forty two to thirty two, something like that. I wouldn't go to twenty two. Okay. So there it is. Ryan Noda getting a shout out. Uh, here on Fantasy Sports Daily. Let's get some other guys outside the uh, top and upper echelon of the position. Wanted to spotlight a few guys, Ray, uh, who could maybe make that leap or that move up the charts. Uh, right now, all these guys are not considered, at least on draft boards, as first baseman ones. Um, this is a position that is a little light. I think it's fair to say there are studs at the top and then a little murky, you know, from about five to 15 or so. So we did want to spotlight some names uh, who could make the improvement and jump. And uh, there you see a couple of them, both a couple of young guys. And we got some other names here. But, Ray, let's start with Vinny Pasquantino. Now, a year ago, he was one of the most hyped dudes in fantasy baseball circles. People loved what they saw of Vinny P in 2022. Um, I will admit, I was not one of those guys. I was a little, I, I thought the hype was too much and just a little aggressive. He had a year, Ray, where he was done by July because of an injury. So we only got 60 games. The year before, we got 70. So we're 130 games in, and it's fine. It's, it's you know, 799 OPS, and the OPS plus is 122. It's good even, you could say. I, I just wonder, we got, you know, 19 homers, 52 ribbies, a 270 average. Is he just a fine first baseman, or do you think there is this jump where all of a sudden he's – you know, hitting 290, he's got 25 home runs. He's driving in 95 runs for the Royals. Is is that in the cards for Vinny P? I think it could be. Now, coming back from a shoulder issue, all the reports we've seen, which are few at this point, suggest that his recovery's gone well, and there's video of him hitting in cages and stuff. So it looks like he's going to be okay. But when you look at the data from his rookie season to last year, you see a significant drop, right? He did. He lost exit velocity. He lost barrel rate. He lost hard hit rate. Like he just didn't hit the ball as, as hard. And you you wonder, you have to wonder a little bit: is that completely injury induced, or is there something else going on too? And the fact is that if you look at his trajectory, if you look at his his um, you know, the co- the scouting reports, if, 
I'm going to give him a little bit of a mulligan here and say it was probably health related. Okay. If that's the case, and he's back more toward being the guy he was during his first season, which again, I think is possible. We have a really good player here to your point. Now, what does a really good player mean? That means, I mean, I would say this without directly drawing Nathaniel Lowe. Like, let's say, you know, Vinny hits 282 with, you know, 19 home runs and 80 RBIs, right? I don't see him hitting 320. I don't see him hitting 30 home runs. I don't see him driving in 100 runs in this, this lineup. But I think his floor is pretty stable. And one of the main reasons for that is something we talk about all the time, Kyle. He's almost got a walk per strikeout for his big league career. And he, that was his approach has always been that. So yeah. when you control the strike zone like that, your floor is much higher because he's not hitting 229. If he hits 229, it's it's a catastrophe, right? If he hits 269, okay. But he's also got the ability to hit 299. If, you know, you look at his, because that on base, right, you're right with the walks and the strikeouts. That's an impressive feature. And that was one of the main tenets of the argument for him a year ago. The on, on base percentage and the batting average both fell off a good deal last year. Now, again, it was 60 games. The year before it was 70. So both years were comparable. When you look at what he was doing when putting the ball in play, I mean, the hard hit rate fell a significant amount. The exit velocity fell a good deal. Um, there was a little more pull. Ground ball to fly ball ratio about the same. Like, I'm just kind of wondering, is is there is there anything to be concerned about the fact that the average fell so much, the on-base percentage fell so much, or was it just, hey, that's 60 games and you don't want to draw a huge conclusion from that? Yes, I think is the answer to your question. And, and, you know, it's not as simple. It's never as simple, but when we're doing a show, we're trying to paint, paint things in broad strokes before we dive more in-depth in articles and that kind of thing. You just look at his batting average of balls in play, which was 306 as a rookie normal basically a little bit better than league average 290 295 last year was 250 it's like well okay he did hit the ball with less oomph and all that so you start going through the things but was it a 56 point drop no you know so that number just hypothetically raises to 285 which again is not even the league average and then we're we're getting back 30 points of batting average right there so i i think that again i'm kind of mulliganing him because if you yeah. look at his you look at his track record, every stop he made in the minors, he had a 900-plus OPS, all of them. Uh, he used to be behind Nick Prado as the first baseman of the future. He blew past Prado the last two years. Uh, the approach is stellar, especially for a first baseman. And everyone, he's got he's one of these guys who's got the infectious leader personality, right? He's always there. He's rah-rah. He's, he's, and people love this kid. They, and that, I think, goes a long way to generating goodwill and all that kind of stuff, too. So I think that, you know, on balance, he's more likely to be the first-year guy than the second-year guy, though he was really good in year one, so I'm not necessarily he's going to hit, you know, 295 again. You kind of uh, set that bar, like, let's let's get him to Nathaniel Lowe. That, that leads us to the next guy, right? Lowe is on this list from Texas, and he played a lot last season, a ton. He got the quantity, right, 161 games for him. But all the numbers fell off like crazy from 27 homers to 17, from 76 ribbies to only 82. The average fell 40 points. The on-base percentage about the same, but the slugging was down 75, 80 points here. So you got a guy who has, in effect, three straight years of full-time play. Mm -hmm. No injuries to speak of. Ray, two of those years have been near replicas of decent 
not anything to get really excited about. Decent. And then you had the blow up year in 2022. So we got two years saying one thing. We got one year saying another. Are, are we leaning more towards just the other of the guys a decent first baseman? Yeah, I think that's I think that's fair. And, you know, it, it, it there's been a lot of guys. I, I, I think of James Loney who had that terrific start to his career. And he, yeah. I think he had 330 his rookie season with like 15 home runs or something. And then everyone realized this guy's not a 30 home run hitter. And everyone was disappointed. He had a really strong 10-year career. I think that Lowe is kind of in that zone where he doesn't do anything terrific. Like he has no outstanding skill, but he plays every day. He's in a good lineup. He's in a good ballpark. And he's consistently, consistently productive. And you look at what happened. It's really interesting. If you look at 2022, we were just talking about walks and strikeouts. When he hit 300, his walk rate was in single digits. The other two years, it's been over 12%. So oddly, when he hacked a little bit more, the batting average was there. Now, we were just talking about batting average of balls of play. It was 360 that year. And that's almost impossible. There's only a handful of guys in baseball that consistently put a number, number up like that. So you look at Lowe. He's got a good approach. Strikeout about league average. He walks a good amount. So his on-base percentage, 350-plus each of the last three years. So he's even got a little bit more value in an on-base percentage league than a batting average league, just a little bit. Uh, but I, I don't think it's fair to expect him to return to the levels we saw, especially in the batting average a couple of years ago. Uh, you can see the image of the man below Vinny P on the uh, live broadcast. It is Christian Encarnacion Strand, who was a player a season ago that everybody kept begging to see. Like, he was just crushing at triple-A, what is it, Louisville? I think that's where they're at. Uh, Just going bonkers and putting up crazy numbers. And we kept seeing these other guys like McLean and I think Ellie De La Cruz even got up before Encarnacion Strand. And we eventually got to see him in the big leagues, and it was so-so. You know, he didn't explode or anything. He didn't kill it. As you note here in the caption to his photo, as we look at a guy that appears to be able to hit, the question is getting him onto the field and Cincinnati made that move. And I think everybody still wonders why was Jamer Candelario a need? Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't. He wasn't. Of, of all the guys, you know, a, a, a pitching staff that needed like a veteran. Instead, they go the veteran route for a converted third baseman, first baseman. You know, it's that, that, and maybe they'll win Ray and Candelario becomes a 25 90 guy every year, you know, who mm-hmm. knows, but that, in effect, has really hindered the excitement with Christian Encarnacion Strand is how this infield has just become a convoluted mess right now. Yeah, because obviously McLean and Ellie De La Cruz play every day, right? They're in the lineup every day. Uh, at, you know, And then you start looking at, well, Candelero, they basically said, is their first baseman, to your point. Okay. Third base is Marte, Noel Bay Marte, who's one of these other elite-level prospects. And then at DH right now, Jonathan India? Yeah. Like because they got to play McLean at second because they got Ellie Dana Cruz at short. So <laughs> if you get rid of India, which means rumors, Ray, I mean, like, all of a sudden you'd be a lot more excited about. Absolutely, this. absolutely. I think it's very fair to look at the look at CES now, and I hate writing this guy's name. God, talk about trouble writing a name when you're doing an article. <laughs> um, well, you tried you to be the guy it. who stitches the name on the back of the jersey, Ray. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. That's a tiny little battle. Yep. And you have to create smaller font. You're a good call there because the regular William Van Landingham was tough. (laughs) Incarnation Strand is brutal. In baseball, they do the the inverted horseshoe. Uh, I I think if you look at Strand, I mean, I see projection models and they're, you know, 420, 450 plate appearances. 
I, I think it's going to be hard for him to get there unless they make a move or guys get hurt. Now, that happens all the time. You say it all the time. You said it for years. Things work themselves out. But right now, he's not a guy that you can profile for 500 plate appearances. So even if he hits as he did last year, which your point was good. We just talked about it. He had mm-hmm. an 800-plus OPS. You know, he had 13 home runs and 222 at-bats. Like, this is this is a 30 home run. This is a 270-30 guy. This is what that's what he did last year. That's what he's expected to do. As you mentioned, he destroyed minor league pitching. He destroyed things in spring training. They never found a spot. For, he can hit, but I don't think he has a spot in the lineup right now on a daily basis. And and sometimes, well, a lot of times, almost all the time, right? You get a discount on, on guys like this because there's no path to playing time or it's not there immediately. Let's put it that way. There's no discount right now. Like he's 15th at the position. And, and honestly, he's a little higher because Sal Perez is a guy ahead of him that most everybody will use as their catcher. So, right, you start looking at it, and I will say this. It would not be a surprise at all if he finishes top 10. Like, I I just think this guy has a hit tool that if you give him 480 at-bats, he will hit home runs and he will drive in. Like, I think he could be good. He could be Christian Walker. He could do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Christian Walker. And, you know, that's a guy, man, oh, I'll get him 20th at first base. But, again, that's not not here right now. It's, It's everybody's kind of anticipating um him finding a way into the to the lineup finding a way to 400 500 or i should say 480 520 on the at bats so there's it's a guy that i think is of interest to so many but that that's a chancy call i mean he's going like 135 to 140 which if you're in 12 team league that means in the first 12 rounds and again ray that could be a guy in April that you're pissed off because you're not getting the at-bats that you thought you were going to get. Yeah, if you draft Strand, I think it's only logical and smart to draft him as your corner infield option. Like, you can't you can't be taking him as your first base option unless you then immediately or soon thereafter grab another guy at first base. You're going to have to have two first basemen, is my point, if you take him. Mm-hmm. Because you're right, we don't, we don't know with playing time. Maybe there'll be a spring training injury. Maybe there'll be a trade. And then you're, you're in a good spot where – at 15th at the position, you can get see your return on your investment. But we have him ranked lower than that at fantasyguru.com because, well, I got him 20th right now. Because it's like, I, you know, I we we're talking about it here. I, I mentioned, I think we he could be Christian Walker. He could hit 30 home runs. Like, yeah, but I need to know that he's going to get the plate appearances. And right now, it's just really tough to envision that. Um, another name I want to throw out here, Ray, um, all the way up in Seattle. Um, and this guy's mostly forgotten. Um, And I think it's been totally forgotten that, what was it, in 2022, he uh, hit 275, which is good. Uh, He went 20 and 80, which is solid. Uh, Back then, he had multi-positional eligibility, which was great. Mm -hmm. Now, Ray, we have Ty France um, of the Mariners coming off a pretty awful season. Um, You know, when you say all the worst picks of last year, I don't think anybody's saying Ty France, but... Ray, he was one of the bigger failures of guys who played, guys who were drafted to be solid, and they just weren't. He also lost that eligibility. So I, I wonder, you know, if, if things were to really go right, maybe he sneaks into the top 12, and, and by really going right, that's 20, 80, 280. You know, it's kind of hitting all these categories, maybe 70 runs. Uh, Ty France, it, you know, it's not – I'm not going to sit here and say draft the guy because he's going to get back to what he was – but is he a guy that you like in the 25th, the 28th round, you know, really late in the draft is just kind of a filler on the corner infield? I think he's okay. Uh, I think if you look at the the Mariners lineup, he might be bottom third, maybe sixth or seventh. So he's not in an ideal spot in the batting order. 
Uh, I think it is possible for him to return to his 2022 level. I think that's possible. But I think that's kind of the, the, the ceiling. And I, I was hopeful. Um, I was hopeful that he'd become more than he has. He's just settled in as this, which is, again, you know, James Loney. You settle in, you play every day for 10 years, you have a great, great career. But there's no carrying tool in the fantasy space that excites. He's not going to hit 300. He's not going to hit 30 home runs. He's not going to steal bases. So he's a counting category guy. He's got to play every day. Should play most days. But as a player, that as you mentioned correctly, he's only qualifying at one position now in its first base. Eh. Like, you could take him. And I don't think it's a horrible pick. But, you know, if you're in the 28th round of your, your draft, do you want just a guy? Like, this kind of – Ty France-level production, you can probably find on the waiver wire from Ryan Noda or something. You can get close enough, right? You can get something like that. You're probably better spent at that point of the draft taking shots on younger players, taking shots on bullpen arms that could take over a closer spot, that kind of thing. So he kind of gets squeezed to the point where, as a mixed league option, I'm just not really doing it. I used to, but I'm not doing it anymore. But as a AL only play, it would be totally different. Uh, we begin our discussion of first baseman today with a mention of Ryan Noda, and Ray brings it full circle with a mention of Ryan Noda at the end. Uh, now, I did have another name on this list. I'm actually going to save him for tomorrow because tomorrow we'll talk prospects and stuff, and he kind of fits into this spot at first base. So we'll save him for tomorrow. Uh, quickly, some baseball notes. Um, James Paxton, we thought it was going to be $11 million with the Dodgers. It's going to be seven. Uh, and the reason for that, Ray, is uh, the, the Dodgers must have woken up and they got him into it. They said, oh, shit. Man, we were on such a bender of signing everybody that we forgot we signed James Paxton. And, and lo and behold, they got him in front of their eyes and their doctors, Ray, and they said, who'd have thunk it? James Paxton is not healthy. <laughs> There's something going on with So 11 million, Ray, has now become 7 million for James Paxton. Yikes. Um, <laughs> now, number one, come on, Doc. Like this to me, like if I'm James Paxton, I'm pissed. All right, we're, we all know he's been injured 37 times. Like, Ray, is, come on. He's getting $7 million. I, he, he should be. I know all that money is going to his doctor. That's going to be his copay. Right. But, <laughs> <laughs> that's still $7 million bucks. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? I'm, come on. Like, this is this is bad form by the doctors. Yeah. This is bad form. Like, okay. Uh, but yeah, this and this points out what all of us know. And it's why Paxton's ADP is where it is, and no one's excited to add him. And it's why we had the discussion about the Dodgers and them using 14 guys to start games this year. They know, they know, they know what they got. They're hoping to catch lightning in a bottle. They're hoping to get 22 starts and have them healthy in the playoffs. That's what they're hoping for. And we'll see how it plays out. But yeah, it was comical in the sense that yeah, Dodgers, we all kind of already knew. And and to tie it into our next mention, what would be a bigger miracle? James Paxton getting 180 innings or Alec Manoa. But both would be damn near miracles, Ray. They might both enter sainthood immediately <laughs> if they were to pull off that miracle. I, I think Manoa's got a better shot, don't you, than, than Paxton of 180? I would say at this point, yes. Yeah. Uh, which no. leads us to Alec Manoa, who still, yeah. I guess, he still has got a job with the Blue Jays. They're, they're planning to give this guy every opportunity in spring training to be one of their five. And we know, Ray, if he, if he can figure out whatever the hell's gone wrong, it's not like they're going to limit him to five innings. They're going to use him. We've Absolutely. seen that with Moto. So he, he's like really attractive, Ray, as this long shot bet that really, truly either blows up in your face or you get a guy for nothing and he throws you 185 innings this year. 
Yeah, and we've talked about everyone has top three in sound vote to demotion and basically quitting baseball last year. That's not what happened, but basically he just disappeared. And, you know, I think that a lot of the, a lot of pitchers, I think a lot of people are surprised when they realize the line between being great and good and just so, so is is so small. And with the, in the case of Manila, everything that went right kind of went wrong and it snowballed, it built on itself and it, it, it became worse and worse. And you look at his walk rate. I mean, it's just his walk rate doubled. And that's that's like impossible. Like you got to be hurt. Wasn't hurt. He just he got in his head. The mechanics got off. There were probably forty seven people telling him what what he needed to do, and he just got lost. And you know we see this at times. We hear about the yips, where the you know the catcher can't throw the ball back to the pitcher and stuff. And there is some hope that this was mental, right? It just got to him, and everything got out of whack. Now I I will say this as a positive. I've seen some photos of Manoa floating around. I assume they're accurate, where he finally looks like a professional athlete. Um, this is a very large human being and you can't be, you can't be, you know, him and Alejandro Kirk, like get in shape guys. Like, come on, you're getting paid millions of dollars. And Vlad, what is it with Toronto and all these guys? I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Um, but yeah, <laughs> the, I think Manoa's in bed in Toronto probably gets wiped out every night when Manoa, Kirk <laughs> and Vlad are hungry. Maybe they have beignets there, Kyle. I don't know. Maybe they're really good. Um, he got, I think Manoa got married. I think he lost some weight. So it sounds like, okay, so we're in a better place there. But you look at the analysis last season and it's, things were so bad. It's just, like I was saying earlier when he's ranked at 100 at, at fantasyguru.com, like I get taken a shot. I totally get taken a shot. And there there are guys that are not ranked that are going to be 80. There's guys ranked at 80. They're going to be 180. Like, okay, if you want to take Manoa with your last pick, I'm not going to say there's anything wrong with that. But I really want to see, as everyone else does, how this looks in camp. And then I think we could see some wild shifts. Because then if he's back out there and the velocity's back and he's yeah. throwing strikes, his ADP goes up 100 spots almost within a week, right? Like, it'll be a huge shift, Kyle. Yeah, like, if you're in a best ball, I'm all over Manoa. That's fair, yeah. Like, right now, mm-hmm. best ball, whenever there is no spring hype or spring concerns. I mean, it could go the other way, too. And, and Ray, if it goes the other way, he'll go undrafted. Like he, he can he can go way down and disappear from draft boards, or he could go way up and be a SP four for people. Like that's what we can see with Manoa. Uh, we got more baseball coming up tomorrow. I do want to conclude things with a little bit of football? A couple of coaching hires. Uh, Mike McDonald is in in Seattle, and Ray, we have uh, got news within the last hour. Dan Quinn is the sucker who has uh, gone to Washington. I like Dan. I thought the Dan Quinn to Seattle thing was perfect, but it wasn't, I guess. Seattle fell in love with a young Mike McDonald who got a huge contract, a lot of years there for Mike McDonald. Uh, but McDonald, D coordinator to Seattle, and of course, Quinn, D coordinator background, he goes to Washington. Yeah, I mean, I think that obviously the commanders went and had to go in a direction we weren't quite expecting necessarily. Uh, Quinn with the defensive side of things, I mean, the defense with the Redskins was bad. Um, they traded Chase Young away. They made moves. Uh, so he'll be there to, to shape up that part of the team. I don't know. I mean, you're, you're when you're an organization that's kind of floundering, I think kind of floundering is, is a fair way to put it, and you don't really have a quarterback, and, mm-hmm. you know, is hiring a defensive guy the right move? I don't know. I mean, you know, he's been around for a long time. He knows the game. He's respected. Uh, we'll see how it turns out. I don't I don't know. I mean, it's a, it's a tough spot. He's not – I don't know a lot of people that said 
let's have Dan Quinn be at the front of a remodel. I don't know how that six months ago people anyone was saying that, but that's kind of where we end up at this point. I, I guess the, the commanders would say this. Um we thought Dan Quinn was the best guy for the job. He's obviously been a head coach. He's been around coming off a good year with the Cowboys. So there was, you know, other teams were interested in Quinn. It's not like the Washington went totally off the reservation, but I think on the offensive side, Ray, the concerns are legit. I guess what the commanders are saying is we're already paying Eric the enemy to, to kind of be that mastermind, if you will. Yeah. Now will the enemy stick around. That's the other question here. Yeah. Uh, but you know, they got the enemy. And, and when you made that move, you're kind of saying you're in charge of the offense, dude. You're not just any O coordinator you're a guy that we're going to hand the reins over to. So maybe they thought they have that under control. I don't think this year proved that they have that under control. Um, and like you said, they, they've got to find a quarterback. Uh, they've got to find a, a, a fit because I've said it before. It's what are we up to 25 years of this junk with Washington? I'm just searching. I mean, this goes back to like Heath Schuler when, when they made that terrible pick. Um, and they've just been going from quarterback to quarterback to quarterback. The RG3 thing was going to work, and then it crumbled quickly. And they just haven't found an answer since then. And Cousins could have maybe been that guy, and they let him walk. Um, so let's see. That's all of our coaching spots, right? We're done? No other coaching spots are open, I don't think. I think so, that's um, correct. Yeah. 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 Everything has been filled. And uh, still, Bill Belichick doesn't have a dance partner. Neither, neither does Mike Brable. Which means... Get these guys together to do some kind of podcast, right? Rabel and Belichick. That'd be a fun one. A couple of expatriates. I don't know. They'd probably be snooze. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe we should make this a four-man show, right? What would oh, you think? Let's do it. Rabel and Belichick. You think it'd be fun to work with Bill Belichick every day on this show? I'll send out some feelers. Um, yeah, I think he would probably love uh, my attitude. Uh, <laughs> he'd probably like you more than he'd like me. I don't know. We'll see. I don't know if he'd like either of us, right? And frankly, I don't know if I'd like him. So we, we shouldn't even go down that road. How about that? We we were thinking about him, but yeah, it wouldn't work for the uh, the chemistry of the show. Um, tight ends. Now, for people who've been with us for weeks, we've gone position by position. We did quarterbacks, running backs, wide receiver. We gave these positions pretty well four or five days. Tight ends do not get four or five days. I apologize. Uh, they will get a couple of days today and tomorrow. Uh, Ray, here, here's the rundown of our top 12, just to recap the position. Laporta at the top, 239.3 PPR setup. Ingram, number two, 230.3. Travis Kelsey, number three, 219.4. Hawkinson, half point behind Kelsey. Um, Kittle and Njoku, both those guys were over 200 points. So that is six guys over 200 points at tight end. Pretty big fall off after them. McBride, Komet, Ferguson, Schultz, Kincaid, and I threw in Taysom Hill here. I know Ray doesn't like that, but Taysom Hill, we'll call him a top 12 tight end. That's where people were using him. Uh, but Ray, that, that position, it's kind of interesting. There's no Andrews on this list because of an injury. A um, couple of other guys missed out. Goddard didn't make it because of an injury. But overall, this position, I've been saying it all year, it, it got a little more depth. We, we got a few more answers um, and guys like Laporta were the real deal. I think Kincaid, people are expecting him to, to kind of move up the list. And he would have been on this list with a full season. But it's a bit better than we were, say, 12 months ago at this spot. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, and I think that what a lot of teams, I don't know, I think it has to do stylistically with how offenses operate and how defenses are playing, too. Uh, they're, I, every week, I you know sitting there on a Sunday watching all the game action, you too, Kyle, how, every week. 
there was at least one, if not two or three, tight end touchdowns where the guy just wasn't covered. Just standing mm-hmm. in the end zone, waving his tight ends seemingly get lost in defenses all the time. And so there's always the opportunity for guys like, you know, John Smith or Logan Thomas to have solid efforts. And then when you start talking about most of the guys that you mentioned, which are, you know, the top end guys, which are integral parts of their offense. These are guys catching five passes each week. These are red zone threats. The, the position was much more fair than it has been in the past. And, you know, you might have had the right guy or the wrong guy, so you may feel differently about it. But overall, the position was okay this year. I was helping to uh, cover a, a 2024 mock draft last night, Ray. And uh, Kelsey, I think, went is a 12-team PPR. And Kelsey went early in the third. Or no, no, late in the third. He was a 10th pick of the third round. Um, I was a little surprised Mark Andrews was number three at the position, at least in that draft. That caught me off guard. I'm, I'm a little cool to the idea of Andrews when, and Laporta was the second guy. So it had gone Kelsey, Laporta, and then Andrews. Obviously, Hawkinson with the injury, that's going to cool his market. Um, Kittle's Kittle. Uh, there's still a hesitation with Njoku for whatever reason. That's probably because of Deshaun Watson being back. But like McBride, Kincaid, I mean, all these guys went late. But again, Andrews is the third guy. Are you still kind of there with Mark Andrews? There, there was a rumor that said you thought he might retire. Is that true? Not me, no. I don't. I think the the Ravens might cut him. Okay, send well, him elsewhere. I think, and you know, that sounds dumb. Yeah, but it does sound dumb. But so good. <laughs> well, but yeah, there's a lot of money, right? That's a thing. It's like I, I I would have to think they'd restructure things before they cut him. I could be wrong, right? I, yeah. I there's a lot of things that are going on there. I think Andrews, you know, coming off a significant injury with the age advancing and all that, you know. Would I have taken him at that spot? Well, like you said, I mean, we don't know. We assume Watson's going to be the quarterback with the Browns. The offense is going to change. You got a new OC. Uh, Kittle is a year older. Hawkinson's coming off a significant injury. Eh, you know, I can understand taking Andrews third. I don't think that's the direction, though, that I would have gone, Tom. Yeah. And, you know, it's not. Let's let's look at this. I mean, he'll be. He still has two years on a contract, um, kind of looking at these cash details. I, there, there's still some dead money here, but his cap hit is 17 million the next two seasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of people run into that issue with the dead money. In effect, if you moved on from Mark Andrews, I think you you kind of save about half of what you were going to pay him. So it's not a great deal, yeah. but it's something to think about. You know, weirder things have happened, I guess you could say. Remember, they have Isaiah Likely and Mm-hmm. I, I my my gut says right he's coming back because he is part of this offense and a very important part and yeah maybe he's overpaid but it's almost like do we, we you know our window's open let's go for it you know we'll worry about three four years from now when that comes around now I mentioned the injured guys when you know we profile the studs the duds Ray are are you know I have to it, there aren't a lot of them because a the position kind of stinks anyway. It's not like we were taking a shot on a tight end too, and he ended up being the 38th tight end. You know, there's, you just don't draft these guys Two injury is usually why a guy doesn't reach it at this position. It's a lot like running back, but three names I I threw out here, Ray. I thought Michael Mayer, the rookie with Vegas would be better. And he was a total non-factor, just an absolute nothing. Uh, Gerald Everett played all year and he wasn't horrendous, but considering he played and, you, you would think he'd kind of need him with injuries and, and so on and so forth. I thought he was bad. And then, of course, Kyle Pitts. Um, now, that same draft last night, Ray, people were getting in. Kyle Pitts was maybe the seventh or eighth tight end off the board. Like, there, there's this faith in, in Kyle Pitts still. Do, do you have it for next season? You talked glowingly about Kyle Pitts for two years before he got drafted. 
You, are you and I'm not putting my finger right. <laughs> well, yeah, well, I think you were one of 99.9% of people. Yeah. But no, they're hey man, we're changing things up in Atlanta. Let's go. We're changing things. Up. Now, of course, they need a quarterback. So that's that's kind of an important piece. But yeah, I think that he's still young, he's still super athletic. Things are changing in Atlanta. I get that. I, and again, I don't you know what we'll to see how ADP plays out. He'll be an interesting guy. Uh, mm-hmm. There'll probably be a lot of stories written about how he's a great guy to add, which will then start rising his, in terms of his ADP. Uh, I think that I think that's fair. I think the, the everything is so fascinating to me because late in the year he was a solid option when all the guys got hurt around him. But listen, these numbers, and I used to I was writing about this at fantasyguru.com. Listen to this quickly: four catches, forty three yards; four catches, forty four yards; five catches. 39 yards, five catches, 41 yards, seven catches, 42 yards. Didn't matter how many passes he caught. It was four to seven. It was 39 to 45 yards. Like how? Um, But yeah, disappointing. I mean, would you, is 10 points okay? Yeah, it's okay. Did that fill in if you had a guy injured or down? Sure. Could you have found a 10 point guy on the wave wire as we're talking? You probably could have. Yeah. Um, One other thing to keep in mind at tight end, Brock Bowers is coming in. So. He's going to be a highly, he'll be one of the first 10 tight ends off your fantasy board, maybe even better as we look at next season. More on the tight ends to come. We'll hit on that tomorrow. Much more uh, football, much more baseball. Uh, still no football game this week. Uh, is the Pro Bowl going on this week? I guess they're the flag football contest. That's it's probably two week. different days, right? Isn't it? Yeah. yeah. yeah that's I another know. thing I forgot to mention in the meaningless February that is coming our way the flag football contest. When is that? NFL Pro Bowl games. I think it might even be. I almost want to say it's tonight or tomorrow. When is it? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, don't know. I just know the NHL skills competition. Don't challenge me with the Pro Bowl. When is the pro- February 4th, Kyle. It's a star-studded okay. football weekend. Yeah. Well, that's okay, one day. That's not really a weekend. But Well, the skills, competi- the skills competition is today. I was right. Oh, okay. So well, 7 o'clock tonight, Eastern Time on ESPN. Can you, can you get that together and come to the show tomorrow and – Hit me with all the information that happened and everything that matters. Uh, I'll, you want me to break down? Yeah, sure, Kyle. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll get right on that as soon as it ends at 8.30 p.m. Eastern tonight. Right mm-hmm. on it. Enjoy it. Enjoy Thanks. it. Uh, everybody, enjoy your Thursday. Ray and I are back tomorrow, 11 a.m. Fantasy Sports Daily, powered by FantasyGuru.com.